think what, what Jacob shares really, really, really important is um, that idea of rejoice always and how things, little things can get in the way. And then you can start forgetting, like, what are we even doing? And, oh, man, is the room going to be the way we want it? And is it going to be the size? And is the chairs going to be the way we want it? And is everything going to work out? And we don't have our songs, lyrics up, or the words up on the screen? And all of these things that kind of conspire. And then, you know, for me anyway, it's like really easy to just kind of lose sight of everything. Mm -hmm. Right? And what's amazing is, is... When that happens, we lose out on enjoying and rejoicing on so much of what God is doing, right? And so I'm standing there, and here comes Grant. Grant just got baptized last week. That's awesome. I mean, that's one of those things where you're worrying about a room, and Grant's baptized, right? I'm going, man, that is awesome, right? And then Linda walks in, and Linda's mom got baptized last week up in in, uh, way up north in Boone, North Carolina, right? And... uh, and so many of you guys know the Kidwells, and, and so the Kidwells are leading the church up there. And, and then, so Doris Hayes, and she is, how old is Doris? 86. 86 years old. On June 23rd. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. Wow. That's amazing. So, you know, there's these really amazing things. Stephanie's moved up here, Ben's little sister, which is awesome. I mean, there's just so many really neat things happening. Aubrey and Avis are here visiting, so Aubrey's going to come to Clemson University in the fall, which is really great, and it's great to have Avis here. So even in this little tiny group, there's like, wow, there's so many neat things happening, Uh, and there's so many, it's just, it's, it it just is always a great reminder to remember something, and you know what's really crazy, yeah, and and there you go, so we have this whole lineage here of Kelly helping Linda become a disciple, you know, in, 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 and this goes all, this is what's crazy, you know, like you prepare. I really struggled like getting this lesson together this week. Because, and I don't know what it was. I told Abby, I said, I felt like I just had the equivalent of like writer's block. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I felt like it was just, I was just all stuck and stopped up and, and I didn't know what the problem was. And, and it's so amazing how God even forms my sermon through the hour leading up to this all of what we're talking about today. Uh, there just is so many amazing things. And, and, and I was even thinking about Chelsea, you know. Uh, so, so Linda's daughter became a disciple in Africa and then came to, and was a student at Clemson and came here and then Linda was baptized. And, and, and I mean, it was just this craziness. Now Doris is a disciple. Well, I just have to say. Yes. Frank and Rudo. Yeah. That- Chelsea in Africa and could walk yeah. when she was on her crimson hill yeah. they go to the church yeah. with the woman who disciple most because they yeah. travel back wow. and forth to so that's amazing isn't that awesome isn't that amazing <laughs> I mean you just have all this stuff going on you know we do I, I will tell you this though is we want to really uh, be loving up on and praying for, for Naya she had a bad accident and she's in a cast, you can see, and she's got a great attitude, it looks like. She's smiling, and, but uh, she's got two casts on, and uh, so she is the toughest human being walking the face of the earth right now, okay? So uh, just make sure you safely love up on Naya, okay? That you do it gently, um, and uh, just pray. That's, that's not fun. Having one cast isn't fun. Having two casts really isn't fun. So uh, be praying for Naya. Um, and um, so what are we talking about here? We, we've been talking about humility for about six weeks now. And um, 
again, we want to go past. Humility isn't just, um, it becomes such a label, right? Uh, and I don't mean being humble. I mean prideful. Like, like that becomes, like we've almost stopped in our maturing process spiritually um, because it seems like we use the word pride as a weapon, right? It's this idea of whoever's first to call the other person prideful wins, right? I mean, that's the thing. If I, because then if I say it first to Juliana, I say, Juliana, you're just prideful. Well, what can you say? No, you are. <laughs> well, that's, see, my point exactly. See, that's how prideful you are. You're turning it back on me. And it's almost devolved in our culture to who's going to call the person prideful in a moment of, of like a one another relationship or something. And that person wins. And we've lost a little bit, I believe. And I know I have for sure. The idea of instead of trying to not be prideful, let me embrace humility. Let me embody humility. Let me go after humility. Let me let me understand what the good news of humility is rather than going, man, I hope. Man, when Stephanie moves here, I hope she doesn't think I'm prideful. I hope Brett doesn't think I'm prideful. I hope I don't do things to be prideful. All right? And it really is. And and there's so many ways we can let each other off the hook of this, too. And Ryan brings up a great example is we can go, well, y'all know what? We don't have to deal with pride at all because we're all prideful. (laughs) Right? I mean, there's so many ways that we do this instead of going, hold on a minute. Turn over in Ephesians chapter 4, okay? So Ephesians chapter 4 is this the only thing I know? Okay. I, I got nothing else in my bag of tricks. That there's no shortcut to this. All right. Is just if me and you and the people we influence, and I'm talking about the kids, the middle school kids, the high school kids, the co- if we don't develop a discipline to just, immerse ourselves in the word of God there this can't be changed it really can't because we aren't going it'll just be a humanistic endeavor let me give you an example here Ephesians 4 verse 1 Paul writes this he says therefore the prisoner for the Lord or I therefore I the prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness with patience, accepting one another in love, diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. He says, I urge you to work worthy of the calling with all humility. And so the question is, um, is that like a reality in your life? That's what I'm going to kind of lay in front of you, okay? It's not okay because oftentimes if I were to ask you, what part of Ephesians 4, and if you've got your Bible in front of you, what part of Ephesians 4 are you most familiar with? What would be some of the things that you would say? You, you, you may go, none of it, okay? Uh, what would be the part that you would go, no, I know this part. It's the most familiar part. Does anybody have? Verse 29. Verse 29, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Okay, you may, I know that one. You just toss back and forth. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. Right, exactly. Okay, so you ha- what else do you have? Anything else? Speaking the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. 
You know, there's a, a big one is early on even is there's one body, one spirit, just called a one hope. As you're calling one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and the Father of all, like we know that one. Oftentimes we, we tend to gravitate towards verses that all are like coming out of this one root verse, which is in order to achieve these things, in order to really embody this idea of letting no unwholesome talk come out of my mouth, in order to really live in this way, he says, listen, I'm going to urge you to do one thing, is to live a life worthy of the calling you've received with all humility. With all humility. All right? And so that's been our task. That's been what we've really tried to dig into is the question isn't, man, I know... You know, hopefully you aren't sitting here going, man, you know what, Jody really needs to hear this. He is so prideful. And Jennifer, too. She, she doesn't look prideful, but she is. They, I'm so glad that we're working on this because Jillian, the Lord sent her here today to hear this because of her pride. All right. Instead of going, hold on a minute, God, please speak to me. Please speak to me. Let me hear your voice, because here's the thing about this. When we start digging into humility, it becomes a little bit painful because you know who's getting kind of pulled apart? My ego. Keith's ego, as I said last week, there isn't anybody I, I agree more with than me. No one. There's no one who's right more often than, I, than me, I think. There's no one I like more than me. All right? And so when you start like peeling that away into living a life full of humility... All right, is it becomes a little bit painful, right? Um, turn over in your Bibles. We're going to jump over um, to Matthew chapter 6, okay? Um, and so that's been laid in front of us for the past while, is um, am I living a life filled with humility? Am I embracing it? No, I'm I'm just going on. Yeah, I, you can answer the question though. I mean, do you do you? Well, I, I, I'm not embracing it. I'm yeah. finding I'm finding the past couple of months the probably the most challenging yeah. uh, uh, lessons and you know yeah. topics that we've talked about. And, yeah. Um, and one thing in here, um, I, when it's like I, I know this, I almost couldn't even think of what else is in this chapter because when you read that, I thought, you know, I think I typically have just. I just read over it, yeah. right? That called, you know, with all humility and gentleness and patience. Oh, yeah, those are things that I'm supposed to be, but they're unattainable for me. Yes. And so I just read them as something that is, would be nice to have when I get to heaven or something. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to think of, wait, that's, that's, I really need to be striving for those yeah. things. And, and it's just been, it's been very, very challenging for yes. me because it's, yeah, it's, it's almost like that's just, that's, that's the perfect. You know, the perfection in Christ yes. that we'll have one day. Yeah. That, you know, now we have the Spirit, but I just really won't ever attain those yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you, you speak probably what we all are thinking when it comes to this, is, is that idea of how often we read over things. Oh, that'd be great to have. But the really important things are such and such. And generally, they tend to be the things we do well. The, te- the things that aren't super difficult for us. Those are the ones that are the most important, right? Okay, and when we read difficult things, here's the only thing that helps me. Okay, this is the absolutely as I've been kind of walking through this on my own. The only thing that's helped me is I've had to go and have a renewed view of what the gospel really means. 
And I cannot tell you that it's, it's kind of been a, this little science experiment, so to speak, that I've kind of been going through is I've asked myself, okay, what is the gospel? All right? And then I've been asking other people. And it's amazing how often people who say, I follow Jesus, and they, I don't know what the gospel is. Like we know that Jesus died and he rose again. That's pretty much what we know. But we leave out the part of the gospel that calls us to new life, that calls us to discipleship, that calls us to a complete transformation, that that's good news, that repentance is good news, that being able to communicate and not just communicate the gospel. But I've had to ask myself the question is, do I actually embody the gospel? Remember we talked about embracing humility? Is my life embodying the gospel? I think that's one of the things that's hurt me more than anything is I think people could meet me and say, wow, Keith, you can give me a lot of information about what the gospel is and about parts of the Bible, and you can walk me through certain things, and you maybe know how to... But, but what does... If this is really good news, if Jesus really died for you, if God really said before you did anything, all right, if that's really true, then, then the question I want people asking when they see me is, what does it look like in your life? Like nothing should get in the way if that's true, okay? And as we talked about a number of weeks back, it's very easy to get caught up into this performance model, which is when I start doing good, God will start loving me, right? Have you ever done that before? Have you ever felt that? Where once I start doing good, when I have a good day, God loves me more. When I have a bad day, God loves me less. And then I have to work my way back into his good graces, okay? Uh, Understand one thing, that is not in the Bible, that it, re- remove that from your thinking and you will not want to do it. It seems like the weirdest thing in the world, but because we don't want to get rid of that because you know what? We start making arguments that, oh, but then we're going to be apathetic towards sin. Really? Like, here's what I've found in my life is the more I embody the gospel, the less I want to sin. I just do. The more I see that, oh my goodness, you mean that, that before any performance, good or bad, you said, I'm saving that dude. Even going, even if there was somebody standing next to God going, but hold on a minute, you don't want to say, Keith, look at all this stuff he's going to do. And you just go, no, I, I got him still. All right? And then we get, we become disciples and we start thinking that my performance matters. Okay? That's what kills us. And so there, there's a starting point. When I hear something really, really difficult, like, dude, you have to be humble. Like, 1 Peter 5 and, and a number of different places is God opposes the proud. Like that almost becomes a joke. Like, oh, dude, I'm just prideful. I'm like, no, I've got to stop saying that because what I'm actually admitting to is, no, I'm living in a way that God opposes me. And I'm okay with that. Isn't that cute? Like, don't you think I'm humble when I just say I'm prideful? And that's the most important thing is that you think I'm humble. And we can do that with church, right? We start going, man, as long as everybody else thinks I'm humble. Oh, man, I'm so prideful today. No, 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 no. It's not a, listen, if you have to admit to it, that's one thing. But you can't stay there. God gives grace to the humble. All right? And humble is not being incompetent in something or apathetic. Humility is realizing that, man, I need Jesus for everything. I need him for everything. Okay? And there's this one section that I was looking at right here. And I thought, you want to know what? Without the gospel, without a gospel view of life, 
that, that for real, okay, that, that we've said this over and over again, and I just hope that it gets driven into your brains too, okay? If you're in Christ right now, if you've been washed of your sins, all right, okay, we're going to use Grant. He's the, he, he just got baptized hours ago, right? I mean, a week ago, something like that. It's only hours, okay? But anyway, but the thing about this is, is in Christ, when you're in Christ, this is what the gospel says. There is nothing you can do, right? There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. Nothing. Like no good quiet time will make him love you more. And I'll bet you most people will not believe that. Okay? There's nothing that you have done that can make him love you less. That's the part that ticks people off for some reason. I don't understand it. I'm like, this is great news. You mean in Christ? And he sees me in Christ. He says, you want to know what, Keith? There ain't nothing you've done that's going to make me love you less. This instant, this second right now, you're as close. You are, you are the closest you can ever be to God and not die. You, you can't do something really great. Like, like you couldn't walk out of this room and go, man, and, and, and feed 25 homeless people and go, now God loves me more. God will go, that's awesome. That's what I built you for. But I loved you the exact same as I did in the morning when you were hitting the snooze button. And here's the problem is, is man, without embracing that, and if we keep fighting this fight that we're going to become apathetic if we have that view, you want to know what? We're going to be not very, like, it's not going to, this good news ain't going to be good news for anyone we know. Because this is going to be burdensome. Who, who wants to be a part of something where you're only loved when your performance is good? Like, who wants that? How many children would want, man, I, you know what I really love about my parents? I would hate for my children to say, Dad really loves me when I'm a good kid. The gospel says the complete opposite. He says, man, when it's your worst. I have loved you more than anyone could love you. All right? There is nothing more inspiring than that, okay? So when I hear verses like we just read in Ephesians 4 that says be completely humble, to, to live a life of humility, okay? Without the gospel, that is burdensome. Without the gospel, that's hard. Without the gospel, I don't want to live in humility. Because you want to know what? What happens to me? Everyone else gets stuff and I don't get anything. Right? So that, that's really, that's just the foundation we have to have. In every page we read in the Bible, we have got to have a gospel view that this is good news. And if it's true what Jesus did for us, and if it's true that he loved us before our performance, if that's true, then we have to go, then how should I live now? Then how should I live because of that? Not Grant waking up and going, oh, man, I didn't have a quiet time this morning. I, okay, God, I'm going to make you like me throughout the day. That's a completely false gospel. All right. And I know we like to throw around like false gospel, like, but Paul is very clear about teaching a false gospel. He says, don't let anyone do it, ever. Oh, we've got to embrace a real gospel, okay? I picked this section right here in Matthew 6, and I don't want to go through it, but again, I, I've got to just let you have this, and you've got to go home and like just stay in it, because I think this is one of those passages, and Jody brought it up. We just read over it. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 this may be 
The, the thing that infects every disciple in a way that just kind of shuts us down and takes away joy. And you want to know what? I have more conversations. And, and believe me, I have conversations with people. I have conversations with myself, too. And I mean that in a sane way. Okay, I mean, like I, I work things out in my head and I'm talking about them in a, and, and I can try to talk myself out of good news. OK, and when I read Matthew 6, 25 and what does your heading say? If you have a heading in your Bible, what does your heading say in that section? Huh? Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Right. Sure. Right. Sure. Ridiculous. You know, if Jesus lived in 2018, he wouldn't be saying this. What does he know about anxiety and worry? But, but we become, I'm just saying, the Sermon on the Mount challenges my humility. Okay? Because every single section of the Sermon on the Mount, in my mind, I'm thinking, that's not even realistic. That's not even practical. That's not even, it's me against God. God is going, no, Jesus is saying, no, let me share all of this good news with you. And I'm going, no, no, that's not real. See, if you really want to not worry, you've got to go and you've got to go see someone. And you may have to, okay? Let me, let me be very clear about that. All right, I'm not lumping anxiety disorders into this where there may be like a physiological reason for anxiety, Okay. I'm not knocking this idea of you may need to go and see a mental health counselor to get help for anxiety. I'm not understand. Hear what I'm saying on that. okay? so it isn't you aren't going, oh, man, he's just down if you have to do it. No, no, no. Thank God he's given us mental health counselors that can help us with specific things. Okay. yeah. What what I'm saying, though, is, is. 80 percent of people don't have an anxiety disorder. 90% 90% of people don't have an anxiety. Every time I worry, it's not because I have an anxiety disorder that I need to go find a professional to help me. In fact, very few times do I talk to people and they go, no, it says right here how to do this. Like before I go see somebody, let me like figure out what Jesus is teaching about this. Okay. Is it just becomes kind of cynical of going, oh, that's, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. What works is like the new self-help book. What works is the new, man, I know this one brother in the church and he's a psychologist and that's what works. And that's a really dangerous place to be because we start like creating a humanistic theology around us and we praise Jesus, but we don't follow him. We don't trust him. Every part of humility that I'm seeing is Jesus going, Keith, settle down and trust me, man. Like just chill out for a second. Stop trying to be in charge all the time. Stop trying to control. Trust me. All right? And so he says this here. Jesus says, this is why I tell you, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you'll eat. Don't worry about what you'll drink. Don't worry about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? All right? So, I mean, he just starts out kind of simple. It's easy stuff to worry about, right? is don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about what you look like, right? Don't do any of those things. Isn't that hard right there? I mean, we live in a world where it's like, I do worry what what I look like. I do worry what people think. You know, I I do worry about those things. I get self-conscious. I get because that's, that's the ego of Keith. 
Like, I get worried about what people think. But he says this right here. He said, he actually, this is a command. Look at the birds of the sky. When was the last time you did that? All right, you want to cure anxiety? Jesus, who do you think you are? Like, that's your answer? Go bird watching? Seriously? You want me to follow? And Jesus is going, I'm not kidding. Like, seriously, go look at the birds. He said, they don't sow. They don't reap. They don't gather into barns. Yet you're, they don't have a 401k. They don't have a retirement account. They don't have a degree. They don't have great clothes. They don't have a cool car. They don't have any of that stuff. And he says, aren't you worth more than they? There's a couple of really important principles that I just want you to write down. And you've got to go marinate on these things, okay? Or marinate in these things, okay? That's the better pronunciation. Marinate in these things, all right? Is he brings up a very important thing. He says, aren't you worth more than them? Okay. He, he, Jesus isn't into the self-esteem movement of let me make you feel better about yourself. But he is about self-worth. He is about the idea of how much are you worth to Jesus? How much are you worth? What's the price tag? Where he would go, okay, you know what? Lauren is worth the blood of my son. That's what God would say. That's what she's worth. That's what I'm buying her for. That's what I'm buying Josh for. That's what I'm buying Brent for. That's what I'm buying. Is the blood of my son is their worth to me? And so he's saying, look around at birds, like literally go look at birds for a while and, and take a look at them. You're worth so much more. Why are you worrying? Because birds are beautiful and they have everything they need. And you're worth more, he says. Can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? And, and he gives us another command. Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. Another great piece of advice. Go look at the flowers. Like literally, do you want to help with worry and anxiety? Go look at flowers. Go sit back and look at how God has made these beautiful flowers. And he says, I tell you, not even Solomon was adorned like one of these. If, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which are here today and thrown in the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For idolaters eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Okay, so, so that's really important. He says, idolaters, this is what they seek first. All right? If you were like... Here's the tough part for me. I look at that and I'm like, would I be considered an idolater by what I'm seeking? Again, Jesus, I want you to hear just the whisper in everything Jesus is saying. Just trust me. Trust me. Look at, go look at the birds and they're awesome. And you want to know what? You're not, you're, you, birds are beautiful and they have enough to eat and they have a place to stay and they keep. I've, please trust me, okay? When I'm not embracing humility, I will not trust. Here's what worry does, okay? Here's kind of the intersection of humility and worry. Worry thinks God is not going to get it right. That's what worry does. 
Worry thinks God is not going to get it right. So once your children start acting up, and understand what I'm not saying again, if I can just kind of say this, is I don't mean like, man, I'm worried about giving this report in school. Or, man, I'm a little bit nervous of going and meeting so-and-so. Or this is a new situation that makes me nervous. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about worry and anxiety that encompasses our life, that is our Lord. All right? And so, and, and so when you have this, is essentially what we're saying, if we could speak to God, worry is saying, God, I don't think you're going to get this right. And so the minute our children begin to act up, the minute things don't go my way, the minute I don't have everything I want at the moment I want, how I want it, pain-free, then all of a sudden I begin to worry and I begin to like really get control of things because I don't think God's going to get it right. I want you to think about that for a second. Is How often, to going back, is, is, is my mindset kind of the mindset of, God isn't going to get this right. I've got to intervene somehow. And it's, it's, it's a trained behavior. Okay, here's what won't happen. There's not a quick fix. You're not going to snap your fingers and go, okay, I'm all better now. Okay? There really isn't. In fact, that's why he says here, he says, learn how this happens. Like, like go and look at birds and go look at flowers and learn and think about these things and meditate on them. And it's one of those things, if we don't begin to do that, right, in Psalm 1, he says, I meditate on your precepts day and night. Right? There's a really cool piece of advice that I remember Don Burroughs gave years and years and years ago. He said, what the mind does well, the mind does often. Or what the mind does often, the mind does one of those two. What am I doing? What the mind does often, the mind does well. One of those things. Whatever you think of most often, your brain does it really good. Okay? And isn't it easy to kind of just constantly think about all the things that we're worrying about? But God, what about this? And what about that? And oh my gosh, I can't believe that could happen. And this could happen. Oh man, I'm so, you know, and we end up using words. What are the words you use? that come out of your mouth when you start getting worried about things and you start talking, what are some words that come out of your mouth? Because, frankly, we speak kind of faithlessness into each other's lives, okay? What do you say when, th- when you get really stressed? What are some words that come out of your mouth? Huh? What am I going to do? Okay, right. What am I going to do? There's no answer. Well, what am I going to do? What else? Right. Think about the words, okay? Is is they may have become normal to us, but our brains absorb these words, okay? I'm a little overwhelmed. Okay? Do, do we even know what overwhelmed means anymore? It, it's like overwhelmed. There's in America? Like I could see it if you're like living in a hut somewhere and the government is like killing people and you're in a state of war all the time and going, I'm a little overwhelmed right now. I'll be okay with that. I'm like, oh, yeah. See, I wake up every morning to machine gun fire. Like my children are never safe. I don't know where we're going to get food. I could hear that. I'm a little overwhelmed. Here? I'm a little overwhelmed. Why? Man, I, I only got three days of vacation last week. Man, you know how overwhelming it is when you go to Disney World? It's just overwhelming going to Disney World. You know how overwhelming it is when you're going on the boat all day for a week? It's so overwhelming. Man, to go to Clemson University, do you know how overwhelming it is to go to Clemson University? 
And we're going, okay, that's great. I mean, it's, you know. We, we, we speak faithlessness into ourselves. And we use words that are so dramatic that, that we obey them. We're like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. Publix is closed. I've got to go to Walmart. You know? And I'm just saying, it's, it sounds funny, but we've got to start speaking faithfully rather than faithlessly, okay? Because it's that idea of we train our minds to do things and it does it well, all right? And so if I train my mind to just be overwhelmed, you know what it's going to do really, really well? Get overwhelmed, okay? What's the other? This is what I hear often with campus students. I am freaking out. I am freaking out right now. I'm like, oh, that's okay if your house is on fire and you're in it. That's okay to go, I'm freaking out. I'm getting out of here. That's okay. All right? I'm freaking out because, like, what? For What? What is it? Right? And the more we say, you know what our brain is saying? That's great. Let me learn to freak out all the time. spiraling loop that goes downward and downward because I'll say well if I do this and then do this but then I gotta do that and then okay I'll do this over here and then I'll you know and I start to go in this like whole little spiral where I'm just like I'm trying to fix it myself right and there's no a lot of times there's no human um, solution right and so um, it creates this anxiety in me that just, just a spiral just a spiral and then I'm yeah. like wait I just need to give this to God because it's the only thing that, it's the only solution, you know. And, 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 get, and, and, the, and going back to reminding ourselves of, if the gospel's true, mm-hmm. if God really did this, if God really was the smartest mathematician ever, if God was the best, you know, inventor ever, if God was so powerful to create things, if God had such a plan to save me, if God did all these things, if that's all true, I got nothing to worry about. You know what's really great when we kind of let the worry go and we realize my way isn't the best way? I don't know everything. I don't know how life is supposed to be. God does. You know what's the best part of that? I laugh more. I smile more. I love, it's easier for me to love people. You, you ever been that way where you're wrapped around the axle? It is so easy to, people irritate you so easily, right? When you, the more irritated you are, the more irritating people are to be around, okay? When I'm not worrying, I'm like, hey, it's easy to, it's going to work out. Everything's going to be all right, yeah. I've been thinking about back at Clemson, like, you'd ask, like, hey, how's your week going? And it all becomes a, a competition. It's like, it's crazy. I have, like, two exams and a paper, and then the other person's like, well, I have three exams. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, poor girl. And it's like all like this used to happen all the time until yeah. I was like, wait, what am I doing? Like yes. you get in like these competitions of like why Who's got it worse? Like, yeah. Two hours of sleep last night. I'm so stressed out. Yeah, right. It's just the stupidest thing. Uh. It becomes part of a culture, right? Where we get we start doing this. And you know what's even worse? Is when I hear it, I'm going, hold on a minute. You're that stressed out, and you're paying the money you're paying to go do it? You're the dummy, then, if it's, if it's killing you that much, right? 
instead of going, you want to know what? It may be a busy week, but I'm going to tell you what, it is awesome to be in school. Man, it is so great to be at Clemson University. We could be at other universities, right? We could be at FSU. That would be like the number two on the list, right? Could be other schools, too. I'm not going to say those other schools, okay? But, but here's, even if you were going to all, whatever school you went to, it, would be, it becomes one of those things where, where we just kind of create into this misery because we're so worried. And I'm worried I'm not going to get this, and I'm worried I'm not going to get that, and I'm so worried because my world is just about me, right? And it's just about me being happy and God giving me good things. It's just about me, like, God, you just, like, just keep giving me. That's all I want from you. And, and, and what Juliana says perfectly is that as a recent graduate, <laughs> right? She says, man, wow, you all know what? When you were at school at Clemson, when you were at school at Clemson, when you were at school, when you guys were at school at Clemson, that wasn't a whole bad thing, was it? No. That wasn't too bad. Life wasn't too bad, was it? It's not too bad going all in coffee shop and having a few hour quiet time. <laughs> that ain't too shabby, right? It's not. What I'm saying is, is when we get worried, we stop being grateful for anything, and then we start speaking faithlessness into one another's lives. And like Juliana said, it becomes a competition of going, oh, Lauren thinks she has it so hard, and she's not even an engineering major, and, and, and Je- where's Jessica? She's a teaching major, and you think you have it so That's the easiest major. You know, I was a PE major. Why are you laughing at that, Lindsay? <laughs> right? See, see, that's the kind of thing. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is, is if we allow it and we speak faithlessly enough, the best things in life will become burdens right and he's going hey you want to know what let's do this go look at the flowers and go look at the birds and meditate on the word of god and 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 keep running through our minds if this is true about the gospel if this is true about god that what have i got to worry about literally nothing i can be the happiest person in the world and isn't that great i can be joyful beyond my circumstances okay but then he says this right here finally he says but here's what i want you to do Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, okay? That just means one thing. Go to church. Right? Isn't that what that just means? <laughs> like, go to church. See, I remember when I, was become, when I was a new disciple, that's what that meant. Right? Keith, are you seeking first the kingdom? What's that mean? You didn't come to church last night. <laughs> that's all that meant? <laughs> like, that's what Jesus meant when he said it? Okay? And, and here's the truth of the matter is, is, listen, it's so much more than that. It's so much better. You want to know what? If it comes down to attendance, that's not such good news. If it's about attendance, it's just not good news, okay? Like, I, Jesus, I don't want him just taking attendance, and that what, that's what that means, okay? He's actually giving us a practical way to not worry. And, and what that means, coming out of the mouth of Jesus, is, listen... Be so immersed in me that nothing else matters. Think, let every thought through your mind be about me and what I want as king. Because that's the kingdom part. He's the king, right? It's not about worshiping a kingdom. It's about worshiping a king. And he's saying, immerse yourself in me. When you study your Bible, immerse yourself in me. Like when you, whatever you think about, immerse yourself in me. Before you make a decision, think about me. 
Like train your brain to do that versus training your brain to be faithless. 